Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, staying on the topic of weather, uh, Ireland, we are expected to be set for an Arctic blast of temperatures as we head into this week. Temperatures could go as low as minus five degrees. Some people are describing it as the latest version of the beast from the east said to bring heavy snowfall uh, with it. But at the moment, it's looking like a lot of that snowfall will affect the east rather than the entire uh, country. But who knows what way this is going to pan out as the week goes on. Uh, the Met Aaron have issued a weather advisory to householders, pedestrians and motorists for the next 96 hours. Dublin, the east coast and northern parts of the country will see significant snowfalls from tomorrow and again on Thursday as this icy Siberian wind will meet moisture-laden Atlantic air and that will give us it's the same weather phenomenon that gave us the beast from the east in uh, 2018. We're looking at sort of tomorrow night into Wednesday being very, very cold and then again Wednesday night there's the risk of severe frost and black ice and then Thursday in particular uh, overnight showers of sleet and snow and conditions will continue right throughout Thursday. So it could be the Thursday, it could be the worst of it. Anyway, we're keeping a close eye on it and we're going to be in contact with Met Aaron and we'll try and get Met Aaron to join us on the programme because uh, particularly we want to find out what's happening here in the South. John Paul's taking your calls this morning. 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us as always, we love to hear from you. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103 and actually Janice has been on to the programme already this morning. She said she was travelling to work yesterday morning Morning. She works in a medical centre in the city and she took time out to call us today because she said on her way to work, she spotted a group of Cork County Council workers that were litter picking at Rathduff. She said it was about half past seven yesterday morning and she said, you know, we're always hearing bad things, uh, usually, you know, bad news stories. But she, said she just wants to take time out to congratulate the council workers. There they were on a Sunday morning when the majority of people were tucked up in their beds at half seven. And she said they were definitely council workers because they were, she saw the van that they travelled with and it had the logo on the side of it. She just thought it was terrific to see it at half seven in the morning. Council workers out litter picking. So well done to the people from the council there doing that litter picking uh, yesterday morning. But infuriating, isn't it, that we have to send out council workers 
at the ungodly hour at half seven on a Sunday morning to pick up litter. Litter that was dumped either from people out walking or the fact that it was on a main road, more than likely litter that was dumped out the window of a car because somebody was just too lazy and too stupid and too ignorant to bring their rubbish home with them or wait until their next stop on their journey and put their rubbish in, in a bin when they stop at a garage or wherever it is. It's, it really is infuriating uh, to hear about that. But well done to those uh, council workers. What infuriated me over the weekend was yesterday morning, reading in, in the Sunday papers that the that there are hundreds of passengers, can't get an accurate figure, but it seems it's many, many hundreds of passengers travelling from the Middle East and they're using Ireland as a back door into Britain. Irish and British citizens, we can move freely between the two countries due to the obviously the freedom of movement rules set out in the common travel area, which means you don't have to quarantine if you want to go to England or if people from England or people from England coming here and others, there's a change of rules. But anyway, people who fly in from Dublin over to England do not need to quarantine. And it seems that there are a number of British holidaymakers abusing the common travel area. And what are they doing? They're doing it to avoid having to quarantine when they go back into the UK because instead of getting off a flight from the D- Dubai they're suddenly getting off a flight from Dublin Airport and where you're travelling or travelling from Dublin oh no you don't need to quarantine home you go yes they've just come off the previous either the previous day or the previous number of hours they would have come off um, um, a flight from the UEA now Simon Coveney when this story broke yesterday, very much getting involved in this story. And he said, if this has been abused by UK citizens coming back from any parts of the world to try to take advantage of that issue, then he said, we'll close that door by ensuring that there are communications with airlines and with the UK authority to make sure that they know exactly where people are coming from when they come through the airports. Irish passengers are not required to have a negative COVID test to enter Britain and are also then not required to uh, quarantine on arrival. Now, however, British passengers do need to have a test to enter Ireland and are now asked to quarantine at home. That's if they're staying, if they come to this country, they must quarantine for two weeks or until they get a negative COVID test after five days. Now, last week, the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson banned all flights from the United Arab Emirates in an attempt to top, stop the spread of the new COVID-19 variants. But according to this piece that was in the Sunday Independent yesterday, there was a major increase in passengers flying into Dublin since the UK ban was introduced and from the UEA, extra flights were being put on by airlines to deal with the demand because suddenly people from the UK got stuck in Dubai and either they were there on holidays or they'd gone over there to work or gone over there to do I don't know what. And suddenly they wanted to get home to discover that Boris Johnson said, no, actually you're going to have to stay where you are now for the moment because we're trying to stop the spread of new COVID-19 variants. So what do they say? Sure, we'll go home via the back door. We'll fly into Dublin instead. And because of that, all of these extra flights were put on with uh, airlines. And then anyone arriving into Britain from the UEA, this is before the flights were banned, is required to self-isolate for, for 10 days. And they should, if they do fly to Dublin, if they do, you know, urgently need to get home, then when they get up, they arrive in Dublin and then get the flight to London, they should be declaring that they're coming from the UEA, but obviously they're not. Um, and they can avoid the UK immigration authorities by travelling from Dublin. Now, Simon Coveney said he was open to sharing passenger data on people travelling from Dublin into Britain and he's open oh, he's open to sharing that with the uh, British uh, government. And then tied in with that, 
are the figures that have come out on the number of passengers who have come through Dublin Airport in the month of January. 60% of the one. 110,930 people. Now, it's way down on the numbers that traditionally would have travelled through on a normal January, say even January of last year, as we were heading into the pandemic when we didn't really know how the pandemic was going to going to affect us. The numbers are still down. But I think a lot of people will still say 111,000 people are too many people to be flying into uh, this country. 60% of them admitted that it was for non-essential travel. There are statistics that have been released from the Department of Transport. Dublin Airport accounted for the bulk of air travel into this country. There was also figures released for Cork and for Shannon. Cork, for example, throughout the entire month of January, only 2,000 people arrived in Cork. And in Shannon, it was even less. There was only 1,000 passengers arrived in Shannon Airport. The most popular flights from from into Dublin Airport were from Poland, France, the United Kingdom and the Netherlands. Now it's assumed that those four countries, that a large proportion of those arriving were residents returning, coming back into Ireland, that they decided to go home and visit loved ones over the Christmas period. The passenger locator form allows passengers to indicate whether they were travelling for an essential purpose as defined under the EU recommendations. And in January, the proportion of passengers who completed the passenger locator form and declared that it was essential purpose uh, was just over 39%. So, so you take it from that, that 60% were not were travelling for non-essential uh, reasons. And since the 16th of January, everybody arriving into this country, of course, now must have a valid COVID negative test regardless of whether they're travelling for essential purposes or not. And of course, we know we've new regulations now that were signed in by our Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, last week. All people arriving into Ireland will now have to quarantine. You must quarantine for 14 days. Then you get the opportunity to have a second PCR test. And if that second test is negative after five days, then your home quarantine ends and you can go about your business. But many, uh, and of course, there's still a lot of doubt over how the home quarantine is going to work. I was listening to some members of Angarda Siakona uh, speaking over the weekend and they still don't know how they're going to police it. What do they do when they get to the person's house? How do they know for sure that that is the person? How many times are they meant to call? Do they physically have to see the person? Can the person stand at a window? What if somebody else answers the, the door and says, oh, they're up in bed asleep? You know, it's just there's, there's a lot still needs to be sorted out on it. And But at least we are making moves towards uh, quarantining and the legislation now has been put in place but of course many health experts and obviously uh, opposition parties are saying that the restrictions are literally too little too late as the country faces down the highest rate of hospitalisation since the beginning of the pandemic and we have the, had the highest number of deaths since the beginning of the pandemic, we have the highest number of cases since the beginning of the pandemic and also the highest number of people uh, in hospital so is it all coming a little too late but is it, is it better late than never uh, particularly when you see the amount of people that are still travelling or the amount of people that still travelled into this country throughout the month of January and then just as I say I got so annoyed when I heard that we had people who were using Dublin Airport as the back door to get into the United Kingdom and it seems they didn't all remain airside it wasn't that they got off 
a flight from the UEA and then straight away boarded a flight to London or wherever else they were heading on to. In many cases, because of flight times, they may have had to overnight in Dublin, go stay in a hotel near Dublin airport. In some cases, they went out and either hired a car or took public transport and went up to Belfast and got a flight from Belfast instead. So there are these people coming off these flights, even though they have a negative COVID test, people will say, well, some experts will say, not really worth the paper it's written on because it's just a snapshot in time. They got their negative test done 72 hours before they boarded the plane. What happens in that 72 hours? Did they come in contact with somebody who was COVID positive and then they picked it up and in their heart of hearts, they have a negative test. They don't believe that they have COVID, but they have no way of knowing that they don't. Because if you look to some of the countries where they have the mandatory quarantine like New Zealand and Australia where you're taken straight off the plane and you're brought straight to a hotel you're put into the hotel room you're not allowed to leave that hotel room if you want to go outside to have a cigarette a security guard has to go with you and the number of cases even in I was looking at the cases for uh, New Zealand I think they had 72 positive cases in the quarantine hotels and these were people who got on a plane with a negative test but then of course they're as soon as they arrive they're tested again and then they're tested on the fifth day the seventh day and the tenth day and then after 14 days all of those tests negative they're allowed to leave uh, quarantine the quarantine hotel but 72 of them in I think in the last month had tested positive so these were people who had their negative test believed that they were okay and either some way on that 72 hours before they got onto the plane picked it up or perhaps they picked it up on the plane they don't know are are at the airport Uh, so to allow people to get off a plane and then to mingle with the general population is just not good enough. We've made, there's been too many mistakes made when it comes to opening up the country too quickly or allowing people to travel or allowing people to congregate. Like we know all of the information now. So I mean, you know, Simon Coveney saying that we need to do something about it and, and we need to uh, to stop it. We need to stop it today. It needs to happen now. We can't let this go on for another few weeks while they decide what needs to be um, uh, done. And of course also there is the guard they have all also now I'm assuming it's from today are beginning traffic checks near the border. This is to stop people travelling from the north of Ireland to the Republic for non-essential purposes. The government have given the Gardaí the power to tell drivers to return to Northern Ireland if they don't have a valid reason for crossing the border or if they're not an essential worker. There are of course people who come from Northern Ireland to Southern Ireland to work and vice versa particularly if you live anywhere near the border there's people constantly travelling over and back that's for essential reasons that's going to be allowed but they're trying to stop the non-essential reasons and the Gardaí now have the powers to say to the drivers you turn please and turn back unless it's for an essential reason even though I was comparing the figures from Northern Ireland at one stage Northern Ireland had way higher figures than we had here in the south but their lockdown a a little bit like here in this country uh, certainly are working and their figures they seem to be ahead on us on suppressing it I mean we're doing well in 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 Ireland to suppress this third wave but we seem to be stubbornly stuck at around a thousand positive cases 
every day and that's still too many cases. Now it's way down from what it was when it was at the many thousands every day but still at a thousand cases it's just it's still too many. We need to bring them way down. Do you remember the way they were during the summer when we were reporting single digit figures and we were no deaths and single figures it might go into the teens was the number of cases we were reporting. We need to get back down there. So certainly looking at Northern Ireland they certainly do seem to be very much suppressing uh, the virus so it could be a case that it'll work the other way as well. We'll have the PSNI on the other side of the border stopping people from the south making non-essential journeys up north. Francis in the city agrees with me with regard to travel and in particular the infuriating story that we have people using Ireland as a backdoor to avoid uh, quarantine. Uh, She feels more needs to be done. Francis in the city feels the government not doing enough. Jonathan said on vaccinations while there's lots of talk about the UK and how well the UK are doing they've over 10 million vaccinated. 10 million is nothing when you look at the population of the United Kingdom. 10 million would just be the city of London. They still have a long way to go. I agree with you Jonathan. They do still I think is it 65 million is the population of the UK. They still have a long way to go but even looking at that at 65 million that's nearly 15% of the population they have already vaccinated at this stage. I don't even think we're running at 1% have been vaccinated so far and it's not just us here in Ireland right across Europe uh, we're the same. We're doing really badly on the numbers who are actually vaccinated and that's to do with the supply of the vaccine coming into our country. And the, the UK, for everything that they've done wrong uh, with the pandemic, they certainly are getting vaccination right. Right, I was reading at the weekend, for example, they're now optimistic that by May they're going to be vaccinating the over 50s. They reckon they'll have everybody over the uh, age of 65, they'll have all of them done and by May they will be moving to the over 50s where we're long way in this country from looking at when we're going to start vaccinating the general population and looking at the over 50s. Eddie is on about the army who've been helping out the nursing homes and our army have been fantastic yet again. They always come to the fore whenever there's any kind of, uh, of trouble in this country where we need help, be it when the they needed to collect the bins at one stage. Remember that many years ago, the army had to get involved with collecting the bins. But during the big freeze, during any flood event, they're always fantastic. They're always first out and they have been stars once again during this uh, pandemic. And of course, their latest role is helping out with nursing homes because we know nursing homes have been absolutely devastated in this again, in this third wave in both patients and staff contracting COVID-19 and in many nursing homes around the country it became a problem they needed they still had so many patients that needed to be residents that needed to be looked after and staff were dropping like flies either with COVID or close contacts so in many I don't know how many here in Cork many nursing homes needed to call in the army but the army went in and have been and are doing great work well Eddie's picking up on that he also feels the situation in nursing homes is worse than what we're actually hearing about and I hope that that's not the case but he feels when all of this is over the majority of our nursing homes are in private ownership and, and you're right they are and they are some of those nursing homes are run by multinational very large companies who are making huge profits out of running nursing homes in this uh, country he feels if our Irish army have helped out and we know that they have particularly in private nursing homes then that money should be clawed back uh, afterwards we know that our older people need to be looked after but if the army are moving in then they should be the private nursing homes should pay something towards the cost of the army moving in and when we're talking about people travelling into this country by air let's not forget we also have people arriving 
by ferry. Eileen in Mallow said she was out walking yesterday and she said she just couldn't understand. She started noticing the amount of UK reg cars that she spotted. For example, she said she was walking on the Limerick Road in Mallow and three cars, one after another, passed her. And then she said when she was on the main street in Mallow later on, she counted six English reg cars parked on the main street. She said, there's all of us obeying the rules. We're not travelling outside of our five and yet we can have people coming into this country. It really is a worry. And that's how we have now 75% of all COVID-19 cases are with the UK strain. And as somebody said it, and I thought put it really well in a text to the programme on Friday, that didn't blow over the Irish Sea. It didn't come in on the wind. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now, some of your uh, texts coming in. Somebody's just made the point. Um, to the listener who said that they were out walking yesterday. Who was it that said they were out walking uh, yesterday? Eileen Amato uh, couldn't get over the number of English registered cars. She first, well, she was out walking on the Limerick Road in Mallow. So coming in from the Limerick direction, there was three cars past her and that they were the English reg cars. And then when she was walking downtown, she counted six parked on the main street couldn't get over she says we're all of these people travelling in travelling into this uh, country while everybody else you know we're all doing our bit and we're sticking within the 5k and nobody's travelling outside of their uh, 5k somebody has pointed out those people who are driving English registered cars those people could be living in this country people are very quick to judge says uh, this uh, person who's also picking up on somebody who said it's only those in London that are being uh, vaccinated that's not true I have friends in Manchester and Oxford who got the vaccine. They're doing a lot better than here with vaccinating in the UK. This vaccine should be given out to all people. Don't mind how old you uh, are. Well, uh, no, because even in the United Kingdom, it's not based on, they have a sequencing as well. They're doing all their healthcare workers like we are doing here in this country. And they're also doing the older cohorts, but they just, the fact that they got their hands on so many vaccines, they're able to, get through the older cohort. That's why they've over 10 million. I think they're running that 10 million figure actually, the figure was around at the weekend because they're vaccinating seven days a week as well. And I was, did I hear, I mean they're doing something like half a million a week so that figure will even go up again uh, this week. But it can't just be a free for all. We have to protect the older people. We have to protect uh, the most vulnerable and that, by the way, uh, is due to happen. It'll be this day next week that the over 85s will be starting the rollout of the vaccinations, which certainly is some good news. And then a text that says, Hi, Patricia, Mallow General Hospital gave out 200 vaccination jabs over the weekend to carers, uh, etc. Uh, well done. So there are, there, I mean, there are vaccinations been given out, given out. And, you know, the one thing we will say for the Department of Health, as soon as the vaccines arrive in this country, they're not storing them and, and hanging on to them. As soon as they arrive, they're getting them out to vaccination centres and they're vaccinating people. And actually, that's the second time I've heard about Mallow General Hospital. Mallow General Hospital obviously got a supply of vaccines in to vaccinate all of their staff, etc. And they certainly, if they have any leftover vaccines, they straight away seem to have backup lists ready 
of people who need to be vaccinated because I heard of people in the disability sector in North Cork who were called into Mallow Hospital to say, look, we've got some vaccines, some of your staff ready to be vaccinated and they did. So that doesn't surprise me to hear that there was 200 vaccinations uh, jabs given to carers and I'm assuming that's the home helps, is it, and the people that are out working in the community. Uh, So well done. And actually... At the, I also got a tweet just before I came on air this morning. I saw tagged on a tweet from uh, Sean Sherlock that the Carragoon in Mallow, the GAA, the big uh, GAA centre in Mallow, that is going to be designated as a vaccination hub, obviously for the North Cork area. Because you remember on Friday we spoke about there has been two city places identified at City Hall and Porky Cueve and we had lots of people coming on the programme saying what about North Cork what about West Cork and then as I say just before I came on air this morning uh, we had um, I just saw a tweet come in from Sean Sherlock to say that Carragoon in Mallow has been designated as a vaccination hub which is fantastic and actually if you get a copy of today's Irish Examiner. On the front page there is a picture uh, the first glimpse inside the mass COVID-19 vaccination clinic at the Cork City Hall and if you look at it, it's dozens of individual booths which have been constructed into the buildings you know, the big concert hall in City Hall and it's going to uh, accommodate what will be a GP-led vaccination hub which is expected to operate from next uh, week so it looks really really uh, impressive to see that so they're getting ready and they're going to be all systems go for when the, as soon as the vaccines arrive they'll be ready to roll out in Cork City Hall and it's, it's seemingly the one in Cork City Hall is going to be one of the largest in the country and now as I say we're hearing that this I'm assuming that they'll build something very similar now They'll lay it out very similar in Carragoon in Mallow. And I know when I was coming on air, John Paul was working on trying to find out what's happening for Bantry because I did hear at the weekend that Bantry was going to be the location for West Cork as well. So we're waiting to just get confirmation on where has been identified for Bantry. 1850-333-103. John Paul takes your calls. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk cmig.ie and somebody has just pointed out by a text and correctly pointed out by a text when people are saying how well the United Kingdom are doing with the rollout of the vaccine uh, compared to us here in Ireland are indeed compared to other European uh, countries and they've over 10 million vaccinated at this stage and they're looking by May to start vaccinating the over 50s in the general population uh, when we, when you say that the UK have all of the vaccinations done you have to bear in mind they're only giving the first jab and people have to wait three months to get the second jab whereas we are giving the two jabs a lot lot faster. We're doing a month I think in between the first jab and the second jab and yeah and you're right and that was a risk that they took in the UK in order to try to get as many people vaccinated as possible. They went with doing a longer time period between the first jab and the second jab. But remember in the UK they are predominantly using the Oxford AstraZeneca Uh, jab and they decided to take the risk of giving the first jab and then waiting and they've proven 
it's a risk that they took but they've proven that it was the right risk to take because the data now coming out from the AstraZeneca trials and obviously they're doing its real time trials now because it's out in the general population that the longer they leave the second one of that particular jab the better the efficacy long term. So it was a risk they took but it certainly seems to be paying off uh, in the UK and of course as we know here in this country the decision has been, been taken not to give the AstraZeneca jab to the over 70s which is now causing a bit of problem and will be a delay with the over 70s getting it. 1850 Keep your uh, texts uh, coming into us and your calls to John Paul at 1850 Now an increase in the cost of next day postal delivery will damage on post obligations to provide an adequate service across the region. That's according to Fianna Fáil Cork East TD James O'Connor who joins me to outline his concerns. Good morning to you James. Good morning Patricia. And you're very welcome to the programme. Now firstly are on post talking about introducing this an additional charge for a guaranteed next day delivery? So for more understanding from talking to people working within UNPUST and from raising this matter with the Minister in the Dáil recently, uh, this matter seems to be under consideration, Patricia, where UNPUST are going to change their postal delivery system in terms of integrating a class system um, for the stamps. So obviously what that will mean is that for people who want to post letters for next day delivery, uh, that potentially we could see a significant increase for what we understand is being considered by the company. Uh, so this is obviously a huge concern because the, the letter delivery system is such an integral part of, of rural life, uh, of rural Ireland, in terms of uh, the staff from UNPUST calling to people on a daily basis. And this could potentially change. And, and uh, many different people working with UNPUST in their delivery section um, have, be, have been in touch uh, with my own office uh, in Eardon Cork East um, to outline their significant concern about this. And I do share their concern. So it's a little bit... It's similar to sort of what they do in the UK. They have this first and second class postal system, isn't? Isn't it? That's what you're thinking that they may go with. Exactly. So that 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 that's the matter that that we believe that they're they are thinking about actually um, implementing here in Ireland. But what we have started to see within on post management of recent times is a prioritisation, Patricia, of delivery service. I suppose in the sense that people are now ordering more of their goods and services online. Uh, and UNPUST have seen an exp- exponential rise uh, in the scale of delivery service and they're not putting as much priority, in my view, into delivering of, of letters and parcels anymore. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, we have seen the closure of the of the, of the mail centre in Little Island. And something that has really come to the fore during the pandemic, Patricia, was actually delivery issues that many constituents have been having. Uh, quite a number of people have been reporting to me, unfortunately, uh, that they have seen a significant slowdown in postal and letter deliveries that they've been waiting up to a week in some cases to receive letters that they would have expected to come uh, overnight. So but is that is, is that not just there. is that not just purely down to the fact we're living in a pandemic? People are ordering more items uh, online, and our postal service has never been busier. Well, I think from the letter delivery point of view, uh, you know, we have there is no set particular reason. Uh, that they should not be able to cope with the demand of letter delivery because the, 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 I suppose the post staff are still doing deliveries on a daily basis. Uh, but when it comes to sorting, uh, I think that's where there's a particular issue. Uh, and I did raise that with Minister Ryan in the Dáil Chamber recently about my concerns around that and about the priority that the company is putting on uh, their, their daily house calls. So that that is a matter, I feel, that has has to be addressed within UNPUST 
And we have to understand, I think, uh, as, as, as rural society, looking at this, that this will represent a significant and major shift within on possible business model. And perhaps that might, might not be one that's going to be in the best interest of rural Ireland, Patricia. Mm. Do you firmly believe that Ampos made the wrong decision in closing the Little Island sorting office? I really do. I don't. I think it was quite a short-sighted decision. I think it was a political decision in many ways. You know, I was a member of being a Cork County Councillor around around that particular time uh, when when it was first being discussed, and a lot of people reacted with quite significant shock um, that that was actually the case. And I, I do think in the future that Ampos will start to have to consider uh, ramping up their Cork their Cork facility again. Uh, in terms of, uh, I suppose, the, the, the delivery aspect of it uh, and the impact that that's already having and be truthful, I think, with, with people as to what type of an impact that, that that is having directly. It is also worth noting, Patricia, that a very significant portion of, of, of people working within our post office network as well in rural Ireland are quite concerned about on post future. Uh, of course, a new vision for post services in Ireland was uh, was the, the, the report that was commissioned by Unpost a few years ago. And there are many different uh, aspects of that particular report which are quite concerning in, ter- in terms of the direct state aid that Unpost receives. And we need to ensure that that is maintained at its current level, if not increased. Uh, these were points that were made by both myself and by colleague and Clare, uh, Deputy Cahill Crow, uh, in recent times. So, so we're hoping that the Minister will be receptive to those arguments. Okay, and you raised all of these concerns uh, and actually I watched your piece on Oireachtas TV over the weekend. You raised all these concerns with Minister Eamon Ryan. What did he say to you and were you satisfied with his response? So what I did find uh, from the Minister's response is that there was no blanket denial of what we were talking about earlier on in the interview around that the the, the system will change for uh, the posted envelopes. So that's something that seems to be under strong consideration. And I just want to take the opportunity, Patricia, to thank uh, the, the people from Unpost that actually had raised this concern with me. They wanted it raised uh, in the doll. I won't name them directly uh, as per the request, but to let them know that I do want to acknowledge uh, the fact that they had brought this to my attention. So I got the opportunity to raise it. Uh, but there didn't seem to be any, uh, I suppose, denial from Minister Ryan about this. So that is coming of a particular concern to me uh, and to those workers in Unpost. Okay, all right. Uh, and uh, as as I say, the post, uh, I, I think postmen and women during this pandemic have proven how valuable their service is. I mean, the amount of people that contact us to say only, you know, the only person we have calling is the postman and uh, or the postwoman. And they've been great to check in on older people and they know the older people on their route. They really do. They do a fantastic job. I, I'm working from home this morning, Patricia, in my, near, near my constituency office in Yall. Uh, and I just met the postman a few minutes ago. So, you know, that's the service that I, I rely on and a service that I appreciate. And I see how, how it's such a, an excellent facility for so many people in rural Ireland. And also the social aspect, the social the social aspect in the sense that uh, they are checking in on, on vulnerable members of the community almost on a daily basis. And they do expect the call um, the call every day from the postman. So that's an important part of rural life. And that's something I suppose I explained to Minister Ryan. And it's something of a degree of concern. That's not just me, but many of my colleagues... Uh, I do feel about about Minister Ryan that he would not always have the best interests of rural Ireland at heart and we need to continuously lobby on the behalf of rural Ireland to that minister. I shadow him in my capacity as spokesperson and transport was in Fianna Fáil uh, and you know we, we, we do we do our best I suppose to, 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 to plead the case for rural Ireland as often as we do get the opportunity um, to our ministers that are based within Dublin and it's important that they would realise that you know there is a lot of activity and a lot of life going on in rural Ireland at present because of people working from home from those that have chosen to, to move home from urban areas to more rural settings. 
Uh, so now is not the time to be thinking about cutting back on postal services. OK, and uh, do you remember this day last year? I, I do, I do. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's incredible to think back 12 months ago today that uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was the results day. I was, I was above in, in the count centre, I think, uh, in, in Mallow, um, fretting over what was going to happen. Um, of course, it was, uh, it was an extraordinary experience. I was less than, less than a mile from my mother's home place that day at the GA Centre in Mallow. So it was a, a huge honour, of course, to get elected to the doll. It's been a, a, a tremendous year. In, in the sense of um, of getting some some work done and, and getting, I suppose, the, my feet in the door in Leinster House, but unfortunately, I don't think any of us, Patricia, foresaw uh, what what was coming down the tracks uh, with the pandemic at that stage. So none, none, none of us could have predicted this day last year what what the year was going to hold. In in some ways, when we were told it in the office, uh, the fact that it was the the first year of of the gen since the general election, and I said, in some ways it seemed God is is that a year ago? And then in other ways it seems like it was a hundred years ago. Um, it just yeah, it's been an it's been an incredible year. And of course, it, it was your first time to be elected, so it was like a baptism of fire for you almost. It, it really was, and you know, it, it was quite an interesting. Uh, timeline in the sense that we were elected first in February and by the middle of March unfortunately we saw the horrific scenes that started to unfold in Italy and of course the Six Nations matches people could probably throw their memories back Yeah, what was happening where the Italian match was going to be taking place in Ireland. There was a lot of controversy around that I, I remember and obviously then uh, by, by, by April the situation had, had exploded in, in Ireland in the sense that it became a, a top political priority to form a government to urgently deal with it and I think it brought consensus Amongst a lot of the parties to to to, to get to get their acts together and form a government, so it had a huge impact on the political mm. system. Patricia, there's no questioning that, and it's certainly something that when the election actually happened this this day last year, and uh, that we didn't realise, I, I don't think that that was going to be a, a very large deciding factor um, for the formation of a government this time around. Okay, all right. And just on post, uh, Jim says, "Hi, Patricia. I got a Christmas card from my cousin in London. It took forty-eight days to arrive." And another listener says, "I'm still waiting on a parcel sent to me from a friend in Black Rock in Cork um, to be sent out into the county, uh, and uh, haven't haven't seen it haven't seen it yet." Okay, eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Listen, thank you for that, uh, James. Patricia, just to share one bit of breaking news as well that has come in in the last few moments. Uh, a very big story here in East Cork is that Airgrid have confirmed that they will not be running their, their the interconnector cable to Castle March and Kayla Villages. I know you, your show had covered this some yeah. weeks ago, uh, but they have just confirmed to me there within the last half an hour um, that Killa and Castle Martyr Village will both uh, be bypassed in the sense that the cable will not be going through either one of those villages. So just to share that. Because it was huge objections. Enormous to after it, yeah, all the millions yeah. have been spent on the road upgrades within the villages and resurfacing uh, works that, that, that it's, it's, it's very good news this morning okay. that Airgrid will be avoiding both of those villages so okay. thank you so much for having me Glad to share that Thanks for that James uh, and stay safe That is Cork East Fianna Fáil Dáil Deputy James O'Connor You're listening to Cork Today on replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Margaret contacting us through Facebook just listening to you there on the radio while on a break and the lady was talking about spotting so many cars in Mallow with English registration plates Margaret said it got me thinking where are these people staying if they didn't have accommodation they wouldn't come we all need to bond together to save each other uh, yeah, well I don't think there aren't hotels are there hotels open for I think hotels are only open for essential 
workers and I think it's the same with uh, B&Bs could you rent uh, could you rent a house I suppose you could I assumed when uh, I saw that comment come in that it's people coming over to visit family is it I've, well, I, I don't know I've just I've no way of knowing who was in those cars who was driving those cars or why there was just so many in Mallow yesterday when our listener was out for the walk I, I can't understand it OK on on posts that we spoke about and of course whenever as soon as we mention anything to do with on post and next day delivery and this is in any way criticism of the postmen and postwomen who are just working so hard everyone has a story to tell about you know waiting on a letter and a delay uh, with a letter Yvonne by WhatsApp says uh, firstly Patricia have you seen the guys and gals from the Clan Mel Postal Service dancing the Jerusalem Challenge well don't them I did I saw, it over, I saw it over the weekend actually I know one, one or two of them I, I recognise their faces in it anyway it's quite funny it's, it's just there there's so many people now doing the Jerusalem did I see the Imperial Hotel in Cork as well did another really good one like local businesses now are getting together to do with the Gardaí definitely have everybody dancing uh, for sure anyway Yvonne texts on a different note she said about a parcel post I had a very positive experience with on post I needed a parcel posted in Clonmel last Thursday afternoon and I'm delighted to tell you that I received it here in Cork on Saturday morning absolutely brilliant service then only this morning I got a text from my good friend in Denmark to thank me for my thoughtful Christmas gift which she received yesterday in the post. I posted it on the 13th of uh, December. Whoa, that took nearly two months to get there, but at least she got it. There's a lot of people actually are saying that, that they're getting Christmas cards and Christmas presents well into January and now well into February. And it's putting a smile on people's uh, faces. So it's glad to know that it arrived safely. So it also says to people who are still saying, oh, it's gone, it's lost. I, I sent something and it hasn't arrived. There is still hope. There are still parcels arriving. And my apologies to Burr in Cork City who had text when I was chatting with James um, earlier and who was talking about she's awaiting a parcel that was sent from a friend in Black Rock and it was posted just after Christmas and I assumed that Burr was out in the county waiting for the delivery and Burr's been back on and goes no, no I'm not in the county I'm actually living in the city the parcel was coming from Black Rock to the Magazine Road area of the city said Burr and she's still waiting on the delivery of say maybe get on to on post and see if they can update you on when you expect that to arrive. Margaret says, Morning Patricia, believe it or not, I got a Christmas card on the 2nd of February, mailed from Castle Island on the 19th of December. Goodness me, says uh, Margaret. You can look at it as maybe a Christmas card early and ready for next year at this stage, or this year at this stage. 1850-333-103. Okay, some other issues coming in. Patricia, what is the point? Full stop. We are not allowed to travel five kilometres from our own home yet. 110,930 souls travelled in from abroad through Dublin Airport and that was just during the month of January. The government have completely lost it. And how many senior citizens were admitted to hospital contracted to uh, uh, COVID and others who were left to die in a nursing home. I, I actually I did hear uh, not everyone gets not everyone in nursing homes who get COVID nineteen end up in a hospital because I did hear one nursing home one assistant working at a nurse working in a nursing home and saying on very elderly patients that the decision is taken rather than transfer them into an ICU setting to look after them 
in the nursing home so that they can be with the people who've looked after them and, and who love them and you know at times I think that that probably is the right decision it's not that they're being left to die in nursing homes but they're dying in nursing homes surrounded by people who they know and who love them and who, who they have loved over the last number of years that they have been residents uh, there. On vaccination Mavis says quite a lot of my friends in the United Kingdom have already have, have actually received their second uh, jab and they had them done in December. Also they've already started they've already started on the over 60s so I didn't realise that I also know somebody who is in her 40s who had breast cancer and she was classed as in a vulnerable at risk group she's had her first jab as the UK are now not governed by the EU they can make their own decisions says Mavis and it certainly seems to be working when it comes to the rollout of the vaccine and John says the UK got out of the EU just in time that's why they're well ahead on vaccinations, not like the stragglers in good old Ireland. We were told it would be a serious advantage to us to be a member of the EU going forward. We'll look how far behind we are on this one. We are brainwashed, says John. And it isn't just us here in Ireland, though. Let's let's be honest. It's right across Europe, every other European country. We just have a problem accessing the vaccine, which is the which is our biggest problem at the moment. But as soon as those vaccines start start to arrive, like we will we will catch up, but we need to and that's why while we're waiting on that catch up and while we're waiting on getting vaccinated, we all have to do the right right thing. And I know Paul Reed, the head of the HSE he actually and this is something that we touched on on Friday uh, about people who are housebound immobile elderly people living say in very remote areas who might have difficulty getting into the vaccination centres because they are talking about vaccination centres now he came out at the weekend actually and he said they're not going to be left behind now he was talking at the weekend about how they're going to roll out the vaccine and they're going to have this network of up to 40 vaccination centres dotted right around uh, the country now, he did say it'll be, it could be mid-May before all of the 70s have been uh, vaccinated and and it'll be completed with uh, two jabs being administered. It was originally planned, of course, that this cohort, this age group, would have all received their first dose by the end of March. But it's now likely that the over, all of the over 70s will not have received their first jab until around the middle of uh, eight, the middle of April at this stage. That's for the first jab. Paul Reid said there were about 480,000 people they've identified in the 70 plus age category in this country. So close on a half a million people based on the predicted supplies that will arrive in this country between now and March for the over 70s. It does look like the first dose will not be completed by the end of March. So somewhere around the middle of April, they probably need two weeks into April. Then the second doses will come on stream and it's expected that everybody in the over 70, that almost half a million people, that all of them will have been completely vaccinated by the middle of uh, May. Now, Paul Reid was being questioned about, you know, how exactly the vaccine is going to be ro- rolled out. He says there's approximately 1,300 GPs across the country and more than 900 of them, of the practices, will carry out the vaccination to about 80% of the cohorts over the age of 70 and they'll do that in their own practice. So 80% of people will get, over the age of 70, will just go to their own GP to, to get the vaccine. Now he says there will probably be three 
bigger vaccination centres. They've identified one for Dublin, one in Cork City, which is obviously the one that I mentioned earlier in City Hall, and one in uh, Galway. And what they reckon they're going to do there is it's a kind of a buddying up system. They'll get all of the local GPs, obviously for Cork, it'll be in Cork City, and they'll all come together and they'll go into this great big vaccination hub and they'll call in all of their you'll still get called by your GP but instead of going to the practice you'll be told to go to one of these uh, vaccination centres. Paul Reid is still saying that vaccinations for the over 70s will begin as planned this day week 15th of February and they are beginning with those aged over the age of 85. So across this week if you are over the age of 85 you can expect to get some kind of either a text message or a call from your doctor telling you exactly what day to come in and where to go to get your uh, jab. And then when Paul Reid was asked about the the immobile elderly people, people who are living in remote areas, people who are housebound, people who just not may not have the transport to be able to access their vaccination, what will happen. He said the Defence Forces, the good old army that we mentioned earlier on, they have been more than helpful in terms of contact tracing. They've they've been working in swabbing centres. We know they've been working in nursing homes. Their medics have been working and they've also been working in vaccination centres. And he says the, uh, the Defence Forces have again offered to help in terms of reaching out to the most vulnerable. So he wanted at the weekend to assure people who are immobile and can't get to some of the centres, don't panic. You're not going to be left behind. If you want a vaccine, there'll be a vaccine there for you. He said if it's a simple issue of of transport, he said if it's a transport issue, that can be arranged. He said that they've got good arrangements with local authorities who will work with the HSE in terms of transporting patients and the Defence Forces have also offered to, uh, to help and he said we'll also consider how we can get out to their homes as well. So they still haven't ruled out calling out to people's homes um, if somebody is completely immobile and, and you know can't leave the home and there will be a cohort of people uh, who are housebound and just can't get out so he said they are if they haven't they're not going to be forgotten about which is which is the, the real important one uh, to point out and healthcare workers and those over the age of 70 will be the first to go to the mass vaccination centre in uh, City Hall by the way as well as the news that's coming through and then as I mentioned uh, Sean Sherlock has been tweeting earlier this morning and he tagged us on a post that Carragoon in Mallow has been identified and has been chosen as a vaccination centre I'm assuming for the North Cork area and we're still trying to get confirmation on where will be a vaccination centre for the West Cork uh, area 1850 Texts coming in. I can already see texts coming in for Annalise. So keep those coming, please. Annalise will be joining us uh, a little bit later on on the programme. And someone in the midst of all of it sent in a text. I just want to give a mention to say hi, Patricia. All those lovely virtual hug cards that came out earlier than planned are all sold out in Mallow. Do you know if they'll be getting more in? Okay, that's obviously at little Adam. Adam King's virtual hug card that we mentioned last week. They've been launched in time for Valentine's Day. Uh, But the idea is you can send them to anyone and then if you receive one, you can cut out Adam's virtual hug and pin it up somewhere at home. I saw him on Facebook asking people to do that. And it was Super Value and Centra stores 
he's teamed up with they're the only two that were selling them and it's a fundraiser it's for the children's department at CUH and for Crumlin Children's Hospital the two hospitals that the Adam attends himself we'll see if we can find out and if they've all sold out yeah because I think he's a, he's a little lad that has been just taken into the hearts of everyone when he appeared on the Late Late Toy Show with his little virtual hug in his hand, cut out on a, a little piece of paper. It was just so delightful. So I imagine everybody, because I saw, I actually mentioned it on the programme, I saw uh, the piece on the paper and I was I was talking about it. And actually, I, in my own mind, as I was reading it out, saying, I have to buy one of those cards. You know, if I just buy it for myself at home to have one of little Adam's virtual hugs. And obviously a lot of people had the same idea. Anyway, according to this listener in Mallow, in Super Value and Centre in Mallow, they are completely sold out. Now, I don't know if you asked in the store, are they planning to get any in or is there a limited run? We'll see if we can find out. There could It could be the case that there's just a limited run of them and when they're gone, they're gone. So leave it with us and we'll see if we can find out more information on that. 1850, but did you manage to buy one of the cards? Let us know. 1850-333-103 or if you spot them on sale anywhere or any super value or central listening to us that still have them in stock, let us know and we'll certainly give a shout out for you. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103-Jobs. Avonmore Electrical in North Cork. They're hiring fitters slash turners, mechanical fitters and electricians. And a qualified electrician is also wanted for manufacturing maintenance. That's in East Cork. Qualified hairstylist is required. That's for work in Silver Springs. And Farm Co. Agri-Trading in Mallow. They have positions available for an admin slash bookkeeper, agri salesperson and a truck truck driver for local work. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. The decision by the High Court last week that four pub owners are entitled to business interruption compensation from their insurer due to COVID-19 pandemic was warmly welcomed by publicans all over the country. To chat about the significance of the decision, I'm joined by Brian Winters, who's a qualified uh, solicitor, but he's also a publican and he's part of the group called Save Irish Pubs Campaign. Good morning to you, Brian. Good morning, Patricia. And, Thank you for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. Now, publicans took out business interruption cover with FBD in good faith. What reasons were the company given for not paying out the compensation when the pandemic hit and their business had to close? In short, Patricia, uh, pure, unadulterated greed was a driving factor. Uh, it's something I don't say lightly. Um, I think how the insurance industry has conducted themselves, not only with publicans, I hasten to add, but also with all small business. There was a systematic approach of denying valid claims. Uh, If you had a claim that was denied and you challenged the insurance company, they invoked the arbitration clause. The arbitration clause, and for you as as an individual to engage in an arbitration process, will cost you anywhere between 100,000 to 150,000 euros, which is beyond the reach of most public. Absolutely. Public. So it was almost, that's a bullying tactic almost. It was using the financial mice. You know, your listeners down there in Cork 
can you imagine saying to a, a small publican, well, you have a claim. Uh, you go now and prosecute that claim. Their business was decimated. Their income stopped from March 15th. And it was in response to that, that with the support of Irish distillers, who have a significant presence in Middleton Distillery down in Cork, that they came on board to level the playing pitch because they saw how the insurance companies were conducting themselves. And I must commend Irish distillers. They've been an incredible partner uh, in, in, in providing this facility. And what we are about at SaveIrishPub.ie is we've engaged the services of the leading commercial firm, McCann Fitzgerald. We have what we believe is the only independent loss adjusters uh, what we're inviting publicans to do, we already have 1,800 publicans, many of whom are from Cork, uh, city and county, uh, to upload your policy. This will cost you nothing, absolutely nothing, and that's a very important point. What we are hoping now on foot of this judgment on Friday uh, is that many insurance companies will follow suit. Now, I think one needs to temper the the uh, euphoria of Friday's decision, and I don't want to take from the significance of it, but even if you have an FPD policy, you're pretty much guaranteed that FPD are going to try and limit their payout to you, the publican. So what I would urge your listeners to do is, if it's not Save Irish Pubs, we're, we're not for profit, there's nothing in this for me, but at least engage the professional services of a loss adjuster. Ignore all previous advice you got before. If you have an FBD policy, you should be entitled to pay out and you must ensure that you, the publican, get the maximum payout that you're entitled to. Do you know how many publicans have had taken out cover with FBD? Is it one of the popular insurance companies? FBD is one of the larger uh, prov- providers of insurance. Uh, there's also... Um, SAVA um, would, would have been predominantly uh, outside of the urban areas, would have provided cover to more smaller pubs. Um, but you have um, what somewhere in the region of 7,800 pubs across the country. And we have taken up 19 policies, which we believe represents the entire offering that was available to publicans. There is different degrees of liability. We have interrogated all of those 19 policies. There are certainly seven policies where, to our mind, there is no question, but there is liability. But one very important point, uh, Patricia, which, which is worth noting, across the 19 policies that we have reviewed, there is provision in there for loss of license. Since the inception of this crisis in March 15, every publican... And, I, and I, I hate using the term uh, that has a wet pub, yeah. has not been able to trade their licence. This is a very simple equation. What is a pub? A pub is premises plus licence equals public house. Since March 15, 15th, many of your listeners across the length and breadth of Cork have not been able to trade. This, to our mind, is, is number one, an insurable event. Number two, is a compensatable event. So that is why we're urging, if you don't have cover under business interruption on your policy, do not despair. I would love to come on your programme this morning and say, look, I can guarantee 
every publican a payout. I can't do that. But what I can guarantee for no cost is that you will get a good crack at getting compensation. Have you any idea for those that do have the business interruption cover, particularly those with with FBD, any idea on how much publicans can expect to receive? In short, no. Um, the argument relating to quantum of compensation is back before the court on the 17th of February. But again, across the 19 policies which we have interrogated, there is provision. And in some cases, business interruption is capped at 50,000 or business interruption is capped at 100,000. There's similar, similar limits for loss of license. But if, if, if you're a small publican in Ballydehob, in Cork City, in Middleton, that 50,000 is up there with oxygen. That could be the difference between you reopening your doors or remaining shut. The final point I'd make, and it goes beyond the Save Irish Pubs campaign, but for small business, your small barber, coffee shop, uh, hairdressers uh, across the county of Cork, I know today that iSure, which was a predominant insurer in the small business space, has conceded liability. So again, to your listeners, I would say, ignore previous advice that you've got. On foot of this judgment, look at this through a fresh prism, dig out your policy from last year and go and get proper advice. A listener wants to know, will this ruling have an impact on other businesses that have been forced to close due to government restrictions? Yes, I think, uh, and, and uh, you see this morning, uh, the announcement that the Restaurant Federation, uh, ably headed by Adrian Cummins, um, have written to 400 uh, insurers. Um, I think th- I think there is a huge volume of claims which have been systematically denied. And it's back to my point there. The small business where you, you know, contacted your broker in the first instance, and most people, Patricia, did not look beyond that. Mm. You know, they took their brokers at the word. The people then that took it a step further to the insurance companies were met with a wall of silence in the first instance. If they persisted, the, the insurance company rolled out the big guns by way of, you know, the Sedgwick or the Thornton loss adjusters who just parroted what the insurance companies wanted them to say and declined you cover. So what I'm saying is, to, the, to, to that listener, does this have an impact on other businesses? It certainly does. And I okay. would say, go and, and, and revisit your policy. Uh, you know, plug in, go to the central bank guidelines in relation to uh, the financial ombudsman and, and, and the, 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 if you feel that you have not been fairly trained, we would be delighted in Save Irish Pubs because we, we're not we're primarily focused on uh, getting justice for publicans but look plug, plug, plug your policy into our site go on onto our site upload we'll take a look we have a team in McCann Fitzgerald with the assistance of, of Irish distillers We'll take a look and see if there are payments to be had there. OK, OK, because I know, like, th- throughout the last year, I've had numerous uh, interviews with the Vintners Federation of Ireland, in particular with Michael O'Donovan, who, who heads up the, chor- the, the Cork uh, side of the Vintners Federation. And, and, and every time I had Michael on, he was worried about small businesses, small publicans who weren't going to reopen. And I know he's on the front page of the, the Echo today talking about the number of publicans who've decided that's it, can't do it, I'm not, we're not going to be able to reopen. That if people got this compensation 
this could be the difference. This could do exactly what your group is trying to do and save Irish pubs going forward. It is. And look, uh, credit to the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Um, they've come on board and supported our team um, and, and our arrangement. Um, this has been just, you know, a non-precedented uh, time. But, you know, the, the manner and, and the contempt with which small claimants have been treated um, is it, quite disgusting, to be honest. And, you know, you've, you've generational businesses, um, you know, in, in, uh, the small pub on the crossroads, the small pub in the local village, they will struggle to open. Mm. And, and that's, it. that's why... You know, this is a fight worth having. There's no point looking back through the rear mirror and rear view mirror and saying, "Did we do enough to 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 try and keep what is a you know very much a, a unique to 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 Ireland and indeed to to Cork?" You know, I spoke to uh, a publican down there uh, in, in beautiful, uh, picturesque village of Skull, and their whole season was white. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, like you, you take. And let's be honest, we're, we're we're not very hopeful of a season this year either. And that that is why that is incumbent, and and and, and that that is why you know I I'm, I'm certainly not employed by Irish distillers in any shape or form, but I have to sing their praises, you know, as a large corporation to get behind the small publican. So, you know, what our organisation and, and Save Irish Pubs is about is if you're a small public publican in Middleton or wherever, that you can avail of, of, of you know, a premiership legal team to fight your corner. And okay. the important thing here is, is at no cost. Okay, and it is saveirishpubs.ie. Saveirishpubs.ie. Upload your policy, post your policy, um, email your policy, whatever suits you. Okay. Uh, Irish distillers will be reaching out to each individual publican in the coming week or two, by by uh, in writing, and the the local reps will be will be following up. Okay, all right. Listen, this is an issue I know we're going to come back to again, Brian. In the meantime, thank you for that, and thanks for joining Pleasure. us on the program. Good morning Pleasure. to you. That is uh, Brian Winters, uh, who is with the Save Irish Pubs uh, dot i uh, e. Uh, John says on insurance uh, companies, they seem to be able to get away with doing anything they want to do. Everyone, John reckons, in Ireland is entitled to a major rebate from last year. 90% of people never used their car, van, etc. during COVID. They are laughing at us. And I know a number of the insurance companies did. I mean, I got, I think I got a 30 euro all for one voucher, one of those vouchers. Uh, was, 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 um, and listen, we were happy to get it, but I know a, a lot of people felt that she will be paying that back next year when our premium comes in. Uh, Tim and Yaw says, could you ask that solicitor, and unfortunately Brian's gone off the line, if the publicans are successful in their claims, will they return the grants given to them by the government, i.e. that was taxpayers' money, says Tim. And Stephanie says, hi Patricia, I'm so pleased for the publicans but my fear now is that all of our car insurance premiums will go through the roof because insurance companies at the end of the day never 
ever lose. That's from Stephanie. 1850 333103. And I can see a couple of people have texted in about Adam's cards with the virtual hug that went on sale last week in Supervalue and in Centra. And somebody had got onto us originally saying they tried to get one in Mallow at the weekend and they were all sold out. Eileen says, Patricia, no, Adam's cards to be got in Supervalue in Mitchellstown on Friday. Would have loved to have purchased one. Love that little guy. And I actually have a son named of the same name, says Eileen. So I would love to have bought one. They were all sold out in Mitchellstown. And hi, Patricia, I tried on Friday in Supervalue in Bandon to buy one of Adam's cards, but they were all sold out. They actually came out a day earlier that was planned and Supervalue in Bandon said they can't get in anymore. Ah, so there was obviously just a limited run on them. So, yeah, because when I mentioned it, I was talking about them on Thursday saying that they were going on sale in all super value in central branches from Friday but they obviously as soon as they got them into the shops they put them out on display and they've sold out really really quickly big success story for little Adam he'll be thrilled and obviously for the charities because that's what it's about it's about raising money for the Children's Unit of CUH and uh, Crumlin Street at Children's Hospital 1850 we'll see as I say we'll see if they're going to do another run on them I mean if they're that successful if we're hearing about that here in Cork you can be uh, assumed it's reflected all over the country as well so we'll see if we can find out if they've any plans maybe to do another run of the cards 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 086 103 103. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, here's a lovely one for you. Joan O'Donovan is a retired nurse, originally from Toronto in Canada, but has been living in Ireland for the last 30 years, and Ballylicky is where she now calls home. And Joan has contacted the programme with a suggestion for our frontline and health care workers ahead of Valentine's Day next uh, Sunday. Good morning to you, Joan. Good morning, Patricia. You want to turn February the 14th into a love bomb day. Outline what you would like people to do. Okay. Well, um, remember when the first lockdown happened, we cheer clapped our hero medical team year, year and year now gone, Third Valley to climb. Bone tired, disenchanted, It's our turn to cheer again. Make February the 14th their special day. Love bomb our hospital, nursing homes, doctor surgery, chemists, ambulance. Drop off cards, hand creams, smiling window box flowers. Sing by an open window. (laughs) Play a parking uh, lot trumpet. Clown dress with hero banners. Dog walk mask parade. We're with you grin. And just to show our solidarity. Because I think 100 years from now, um, we will be part of Ireland's history books and know how well we've triumphed. So the idea that I had was was to enlarge uh, February the 14th every year, not just this year, to con- uh, include Carers Day also. Um, and do you, do, you, do you feel, Joan, that some of our healthcare workers feel like they've been forgotten about almost. Yes, because we were cheering them every night at six o'clock for the first time. Yeah. And we just seem to have gotten kind of numb to the whole thing. And they must be after a year 
And you think of uh, just imagining an ICU nurse at CUH uh, dealing with COVID all day. And I worked in an ICU years ago, and it really is claustrophobic and tiring, and especially when a lot of the people you're minding die. Yeah. So you work for 12 hours in a, a small room. You, you say you want to go to the bathroom, you're hungry. You're thinking, oh, that takes up time, and I have to put new PPE equipment on. And it's just, it's entering another world, uh, an alternate life. And there's beeps going off, and you think, bop, bop, and then it stops, and you th- you run. Because the noise, you're always attuned to... Uh, the beeps. The, the beeps, you know. Yeah. Um, the, the actual body fluids, uh, you think of the sweat coming down your eyes or your nose is itchy, and you can't rub it. That That's the kind of thing. So for 12 uh, hours, you go have a shower to get rid of whatever COVID, and you get dressed and you go out the door and say you get on the bus at CUH. I know the bus. And I, I'm sure it's different right now, but before you would see people without masks or masks hanging off their ears or under their noses, and they're on top of each other laughing. And you think, what am I doing? Because they don't care. You know? Yeah, people have no idea. And actually, I think we're going to get a glimpse into it tonight. It's a primetime yeah. special yeah. where they're going inside an IC yeah. unit. And I think we we might get a, a glimpse of it. And, you know, I heard one of the the guys working in there saying, you know, we go home and we we lie awake. I, and I imagine the way you've described it when you worked in ICU, that constant beeping. I imagine you're trying to go to sleep and you can still hear the beeps. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go home. So you're going on the bus and you're seeing people that couldn't care less. And you're thinking, I wonder, will I see you in a couple of weeks? And then you, well, I know a lot of injections have happened since then. But you go home and you're putting your family at risk. Yeah. So you walk in the door, you take all your clothes off, maybe have another shower, maybe have your supper in your bedroom and wave hi to your family. So you're putting your family at risk also. That That's 24-hour-a-day um, uh, chronic. Uh, and we know there's been staff shortages because staff themselves have yeah. come down with COVID or they've been deemed yeah. a close contact. So we know that the people are pulling extra shifts on days that they should be off. Yeah. They'll get a call to say, we're stuck. You're going to have yeah. to come in. And they do. They, they, they willingly they go in. And there's another cohort of people that you want to include, uh, Joan, and that's nursing home staff. And they're close to your own heart. They are. My husband just um, turned 80 a few months ago and he's been in a Happy nursing birthday. home for two and a half years. He has Alzheimer's. And uh, they've had a very bad breakout of COVID there. A, a lot of people have died. And they've had to bring in staff from outside because most of the original staff tested positive or have COVID. And if you live with somebody 24-7 when you go to work, they're like family. So imagine losing over 10 of your your patients. But the sad part of it, I think, is for one whole year, they kept, uh, I, I think, about 50, 50 people safe. And a lot of them maybe gave up a lot of their social life to be careful so that they could go into work and not pass it on. And uh, now there's a big uh, COVID breakout. The third wave came and and, and we know it's to do with the UK variant. It is just so darn infectious. Yeah, it 
it's so sad. And when do you think it was the horse race, Patricia? Because um, I, I could be wrong in a few days, but the time they got their shots, you see? Yeah. They got the COVID shots and they got COVID. Yeah, they got the first one, but they weren't just, immune. Just, they weren't immune. You're talking about hours yeah, today, like a horse race. Ah, oh, dreadful. It really is dreadful. And how is, how is your husband doing, but Joe? He's, he's fine. Good. He's good. one of the few. But what I was hoping was if there was somebody online that was very important, could they get in touch with the people in Dublin and say, from now on, ad infinitum, February the 14th is a year, not a, 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 a day, a, a day, not only for celebrating love, but also the cares of Ireland. Because a hundred years from now, as I say, will be in history books, and the people will be still thought of, you know. Yeah. And and why not do that and even pass it on to the EU? Let February the fourteenth be Hero Day. Yeah, why not? Why why not? And Joan, you've an interesting story to share. How you ended up coming to Ireland? Oh. Yeah, well, it's a long time ago now. My husband's a teacher. I was a nurse. We lived in Canada. We had two children and a 24-foot motorhome. And we were at a party, and somebody bet, bet you couldn't take that motorhome to Russia. And the next few weeks, my husband was in the embassy uh, in in Toronto, in the Russian embassy. So we ended up shipping the the motorhome from Montreal to Antwerp. And then we spent months traveling around Europe. But we were the first motorhome to go to Russia, going from Poland into Russia. And And when was this? It was in the time of communist Russia, 1985. It was a long time ago. And you got into Russia. They allowed you in. They, they, we were the first in. And I remember we had to be there at eight in the morning. You couldn't go in at night, something to do with the lights. But they were, all the uh, PR people were standing there. In, the, in their KGB kind of outfit, um, with, there was a translator who, he had the biggest New York, all right, already accent. He learned English in New York, but <laughs> <laughs> which was just bizarre. And what you did know. you do in Russia then? We spent, uh, I don't know how many weeks traveling around, staying in, in campsites, and we parked in Red Square. This was the era that you could do that, right across the street from Lenin, um, everywhere we went. We parked in front of the Louvre or, you know, and we went through um, Germany, through uh, the Berlin Wall, I remember. So it was it was an amazing, amazing trip. And how long did that trip last? Um, oh, months. Yeah, and then we would go. And how we came to Ireland was my husband's family are from, from Kilmallock, and uh, we just flipped a coin again and ended up in Bantry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, but great, a, great neck of the woods to end up. Yeah, it's a serendipity of life. But wouldn't it be lovely, though, if we could get February the 14th? Yeah, it's a, e- it's a beautiful E-U-Y. idea. It's it's yeah. just, it's a, be- it's a beautiful idea. And we could all do our little bit. Because yeah. I know even only last week, we had another listener suggesting the free postcards that Imposter is sending out. We had another yeah. listener suggesting send, send those into frontline staff and, and into nursing homes. So we can all do our little bit. And it can be, you know, it can be as grand a gesture like sending flowers into a local nur- nursing home. Or it can be a 
a very small little gesture. But just I think I think you're right. I think we need to get the message through to all of the people that are working in the health service, right yeah. from the ICU down to the porters, down to yeah. the people in the nursing Every- homes, in the people who are in residential units for uh, for people with special needs. Just let them know we haven't forgotten about you. We know the fantastic work that you're doing. Yeah, because uh, they really are the most amazing people. I, I'm I'm in awe of them. Yeah, well and, done. Uh, I, I think, when did yeah. you last see your husband? The last time I touched my husband's skin was February the 28th, the year 2020. That's, okay. um, that's almost a year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I see him through a window. How's or, that working for you? Well, uh I don't know. You 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 accept it, you know, and and I would have a great belief in in um, in God, so that kind of keeps me uh, going. What's really funny is on Sunday sometimes people families would stop at the window of their their uh, uh, family member that was in the nursing home, and you'd hear Bill, and then a lot of people wouldn't be compassmentous, and they would yell yes. So there was people calling names and other people answering, and it's they, there are funny parts of it, you know. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. Listen, but, you're a, you're a great woman. You've uh, you've you've shared a great story with us. I've just spotted the next song is is perfect for you because it's a it's a track called A Good Heart, and that's what you have, Joan. Oh, Listen, thank you. Th- thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on the program. Yeah, just just tell everybody just to do some little thing. Okay. And oh, sorry, just gonna say that people can't accept uh, anything that isn't packaged. And flowers would be basically for doctors' offices. They can't have them inside. Of course, but there they could can't, be yeah. a window box yeah. inside. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. All right, all right. Look Goodbye after yourself. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. So lots of comments coming into the program. Let me give you some of your thoughts coming in the, this morning. Anne in Ballin Temple says hi Patricia uh, was listening to me chatting to Brian what was Brian's uh, surname Brian Winters who was the solicitor representing publicans that went to court challenging FBD for not paying out compensation when their businesses were closed and they won that high court case announced the implications for other publicans and indeed we're hearing that the Restaurants Association are also uh, starting now to look at their insurance policies and uh, said I was delighted to hear uh, that news from the publicans last Friday. Hopefully other small businesses and small companies will also be compensated those in retail that were forced to close. I feel really, really sorry for them. And many of them won't reopen again. That is that is the big, big uh, problem. Uh, Morris says, very soon now you'll have the Healy Rays and Michael Collins looking for the pubs and restaurants to reopen. And John in Mallow says, just a question, will we be back in the wet pubs and going to hurling games over the summer, do you think, with no more rules or no masks? It's so frustrating, to be honest, getting fed up with it all. Says John, ah, listen, John, we're all, we're all getting fed up with it. My gut tells me, no, we won't be back at hurling matches or inside in wet pubs by the summer. I think, what would I be hopeful for? At the very best, I imagine, we may be looking at outdoor, maybe beer gardens, outdoor dining, maybe at very best. And that way, hopefully, restaurants might be able to open up and there would be some kind of a a, a tourist season for staycationing. That would be the very best. But I certainly don't think by summertime we'll 
will the world be back to the way it was before the pandemic with no masks? Because you remember, even when you get vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask because we still don't know whether you can pick up COVID, even though you won't get sick having been vaccinated, but we don't know whether you can pass it on to anybody else. So it's going to be a while, I imagine. But listen, we will stay hopeful. Vaccinations are on the way. This time next week, we'll have the over 85s all going into their vaccination centres to be vaccinated. So there's there's good news. There certainly is good news on the way and we'll, we'll hold on to that uh, sense of hope. Morning, Patricia. My two brothers and my sister living in the southeast of England. They're in the between 65 and 75 age group all had their vaccinations last week. Also friends in the same town and age group have told me they have all been vaccinated recently, says uh, Neil. And anyone who's got family or loved ones over in England hearing about them being vaccinated and particularly for those that are in the same cohort, I just get so, so frustrated about it. Okay, on post and items still waiting for items to arrive in the post. Noreen says, Hi Patricia, I live in South Wales. Good to have you along, uh, Noreen. I ordered a soft toy donkey from the donkey sanctuary at the beginning of December. I know it was definitely dispatched. It still hasn't arrived. We have been saying jokingly that maybe he went to Jerusalem and stayed there. Oh Noreen, fingers crossed, fingers crossed that it will still arrive because we are nearly every day we hear from somebody who says gave up all hope of a parcel arriving and lo and behold didn't the parcel arrive so hang in hang in there because I know there's a couple others in about post if I can find them there's so many different uh, texts coming in on, on parcels etc. Hi Patricia I send parcels to us to Sydney and New Zealand on the 7th of December for my grandchildren still not delivered I've ended up having to fill in forms sent it through to one post then we're now claiming it as lost total value would have been about 100 euro including postage nothing back from on post uh, yet oh that is really really disappointing while somebody else was on to us to say I posted a package to uh, Sydney just before Christmas I knew it wasn't going to arrive in time for Christmas I decided to post it so that it would get there afterwards and it arrived today so there are still items there are it still could arrive yet you, you, you just don't know don't give up hope May, Mary says I posted a parcel from Bandon to New York City I sent it on the 28th of January a week later on the 4th of February it was delivered and a parcel that I was waiting on from Dublin also took over a week to arrive so Mary managed to get a parcel from Bandon to New York in the same time that it took for a parcel to come from Dublin to Bandon that just that says how busy they are at the moment does it not okay staying on English Reg cars and people seeing English reg cars. Patricia, just a comment on English plated cars in Mallow. Some weeks ago, I actually sent you a text to say that a UK plated car had passed through our small town with mountain bikes strapped to the back of the vehicles. Obviously not essential journey, but a good point has been made by one of your other listeners this morning. Where are these people staying? We can't go any further than five kilometres. So how is it there's one law for us and another rule for others, I wonder? Well, I'm assuming you can still book holiday homes. There's nothing to stop people who have a holiday home or Airbnbs. We know of Airbnbs and didn't we hear of some people from the city trying to go to Kinsale into an Airbnb and they were fined and uh, sent home. How do you stop somebody travelling from England? I don't know. Are we 
will we see many of them now? Well, we shouldn't see many of them or any of them now because now we're told if they come in from the United Kingdom that they have to self-isolate and, and in home quarantine for 14 days. So will that turn people off travelling uh, most likely? Dan says, Patricia, a lot of second-hand cars have been bought in the United Kingdom. Hence, that could be the reason that people are spotting English plates while awaiting re-registration. They're all not necessarily uh, tourists. And uh, thank you for that. And Thomas Infomoy says those English reg plates in Mallow are more than likely owned by Irish people because here in Formoy there are a lot of English registered cars that are actually owned by Irish people. Get a grip. They're not all tourists, says uh, Thomas in Formoy. John in Bottevent talking about people seeing the UK registered vehicles. There was a car in front of me early yesterday evening and I could tell by the way they were driving, that they were unsure of the road or where they were actually going. And when I got near to them, I could clearly see, could clearly see that it was a hired car with Dublin registration plates, obviously not from around here. And they were visiting somebody. That's from John in Bottomwind. And you'll always, usually in the summer months, won't you? You'll always know somebody, you know by their nervousness on the road when they don't know uh, the road. And I was about to say, OK, if it was somebody who flew into Dublin Airport and hired a car, were they going to visit family members? But if they were going to visit family members, they'd surely know where they were going. But obviously, anyway, according to John, they certainly didn't know where they were going. And a different John says, Patricia, most of the people are buying English reg cars because they're avoiding vehicle registration tax. They could be 5K owed to the revenue on some of those cars. Nobody's enforcing the law. We've no custom and they're all just, no custom checks and they're all just hiring their cars. That is what is going on and that's why you're seeing so many English reg cards according to John. So lots of people making the same point because somebody else is saying that if it is if it is a GB car and those people are living here in Ireland, whether it's an Irish person with a GB car or if it's English people who've relocated here, Pat says they should still have Irish number plates on their car. I know you, you get, don't you get a leeway of a certain amount of time if you're relocating, but you're right, they should be re-registered to Irish cars. Now, a couple of other different thoughts coming into us. So, this is good. Somebody wants to know. You know when all of the ministers appear on TV, everything from the Taoiseach to the Thornish to all of the different government ministers, somebody wants to know, how are they getting their hair cut during lockdown? It's a West Cork listener who obviously is looking in the mirror himself or herself and is in need of a haircut. It could be, it could well be that they've got somebody handy at home with the scissors. There's a lot of people doing DIY haircuts and I think it's probably easier for the men to have a wife or a partner who was able to do a nice little neat trim on it. Probably easier for the men than for the women. I don't know how the majority of women are coping at the moment because we're now, we would, people would have last got their hair done just before Christmas and then all of the hairdressing salons closed and we're into February. Will they open on the 5th of March? I'd like to think they would. Love to go in and get the old hair done, but I don't know. My gut tells me no, that we are in, we're in for an, another period of uh, closure, but only time will tell. So as I take a post, most people now are trying to do the old house job themselves. And then somebody who works in the Mayfield area says, could you please give a shout out and ask people to stop dumping rubbish? We have to work in the Mayfield business park and the amount of rubbish we have to pass daily, it's absolutely terrible. Will you please tell people to take their rubbish home with them? That's from uh, Fimber. Yeah, and we heard from, actually our first comment this morning was in from Janice, wasn't it, who says that they she was driving to work yesterday morning and spotted council workers out on the road 
on the main road heading to was it on the Mallow to Cork Road she saw them in Rathdruff and she saw them out at half seven yesterday morning picking up other people's rubbish which was you know she wanted us to compliment the council workers and obviously we did but I was just making the point what a waste of resources to have to have our council workers out at half seven on a Saturday morning Sunday morning picking up other people's rubbish it really is shocking shocking Shocking. Hi Patricia, there was a member from a local GAA club here in West Cork outselling GAA raffle tickets on Saturday, calling door to door in our local parish. This is an absolute disgrace, says Tim, considering we are living in lockdown. Would would somebody put a stop to them? I'm really surprised to hear that. Is that happening in many places? Has anybody else noticed that? Somebody calling? I don't think, I can't tell you the last person that rang my doorbell would have been somebody delivering something but I don't think certainly I've had anybody calling door to door selling anything or anybody trying to sell me a raffle ticket or anybody trying to sell me a new phone provider or electricity provider. That's all stopped because people aren't calling door to door. Really surprised to hear that because the last time we spoke with anyone from the GAA, particularly when, you know, this new draw came in, that was one of the points that were being made that the GAA members were saying they can't go door to door like they used to do. So I'm I'm really taken aback to hear that. Was that just one person, one member of the GAA club decided that they'd try and go out and make some money for the GAA. Has anybody else had callers to their house? Now I'm assuming that the person arrived and had a mask on and was doing social distancing and stood well back from the door and I don't know Tim, did did that person call to your house? If they did, did you ask them about it? Did you ask him? You know, how many houses are they actually ta- calling to? I really am surprised uh, to hear that. And then this is also out of West Cork. Somebody says, I know this is a very different chat to everything that you've been having on the programme this morning, but I'm still really upset and actually concerned about this. So I'd like to raise it. It's to do with First Holy Communion. First Holy Communion was cancelled three times last year in a West Cork parish. Children were just so upset by it. I've prayed that it could be done soon. But uh, but nothing has happened yet. It could have been done, even if it meant splitting the class up and do them in two two different times or even on two different days. All those First Holy Communion class are now gone into third. It could have been sorted. Surely it could have been sorted between the priests, the teachers and the parents if only we could get everyone to agree. And again, I don't know how many children didn't get First Holy Communion last year because I know many did and it didn't obviously happen at the time it was meant to happen and we had lots of stories like that where there was a new date and then the new date had to be cancelled and then there was another date where they held it instead and it was it was different, it was very different to the way we normally have our First Holy Communion Masses and I remember we got calls in from some schools and some parishes when we knew we were going say into a lockdown, a more strict lockdown, say if we were moving into level five and there was meant to be a Holy Communion ceremony on the Saturday and they knew that the level five restrictions were going to kick in. There was some churches literally scrambled and they rang around schools and schools rang around parents and literally children were were brought to the church at seven o'clock on an evening and they made their first Holy Communion. So some other churches and, but you're right, you would have to get the priests, the teachers and the parents, everyone to agree. So I don't know where this parish is and maybe they just couldn't get agreement between everyone but this particular listener very very upset that the First Holy Communion hasn't gone ahead and as I say I don't know if it's just one isolated parish or have many other parishes had the same problem that they simply haven't had communion and will they now instead look at putting the third class in with the second class 
and I take it that there's still question marks over First Holy Communion and confirmation for this year because we certainly are not out of the woods by a long shot. And Jerry says, Patricia, listening to Joan talking about love bombing all of the frontline staff. Love bombing is fine, but for God's sake, can we pay our our nurses a decent wage? What they are paid related to what teachers make, according to Jerry, is a disgrace. And the latter group, i.e. the teachers, are the only sector within the public service who can threaten to go on strike during a pandemic. That's from Jerry. 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme, here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID-19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie. The centenary commemoration of the Clonmult ambush will be available to view online on the YouTube channel Clonmult ambush site are on their Facebook page. It's to honour all those in the local area who fought and subsequently died as a result of Clonmult and all those in the local and wider community are being asked to fly the tricolour on Saturday the 20th and Sunday the 21st of February as a mark of respect. And Mornabi community are commemorating the centenary of the ambush of Mornabi on this coming weekend. They're asking people to light a candle in the window of every home in the parish of Mornabi. A wreath will be laid at the War of Independence monument and a national flag will be at half-mast on February 13th, 14th and 15th. The Heritage Association will also publish their book, The Story of Mornabi Ambush and they'll also do it across next weekend. Court Today on C103 With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie Ken's Pure Core Quiz. We've got thousands of euro to give away on C103. Whatever it yeah, thousands upon thousands of euro and we give it away in chunks of 103 uh, euro. Three Cork questions in 20 seconds. Sounds easy, not as easy as you think because you think you need to think and get your answer out as quick as possible. Now, our caller today is Alison Glavin in Ballancolly. Good afternoon to you, Alison. Hi, Patricia. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you today? Not too bad. Thanks. That's good. Are you at home? Are you at work? Are you working at home? What are you up to? I'm working at home. Yeah, I, I do payroll there for an IT company, so I've been working from home since last March. Oh, and how are you getting on with the remote working? Uh, it's fine. It's very tiring. Yeah. Um, but it's fine. You get used to it. It's trying to know when to stop, isn't it, and realise, OK, that's oh, I... work done. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I suppose I am lucky I have a spare room, so I just close out the door and that's it. Good on you. Good on you. OK, now, have you listened to any of the other contestants taking part? I have. How did you get on with the other questions? Like I got them this morning. I, I did very well, but another day I might go blank. So. I know, I know. This is the thing. OK, uh, and you know how it works. Three questions. Shout the answers out as quickly as you can. No passing because there's no time for passing. OK, are you ready to go? Perfect. You ready to go? I am. OK, let's get the clock going. Are you ready for it? Three, two, one. The class ticket. True or false, Mary Lenehan Foley is the mayor of Cork County. True. What river runs through the town of Formoy? Blackwater. True or false, the Celtic Ross Hotel is in Bantry. False. Hey, we have a winner. <laughs> hey, hey. 
Well done, well done. All three questions. Yes, Mary Lennon Foley is the mayor of County Cork. Blackwater is in Formoy, and the Celtic Ross is, of course, in Roscarbury. It's not in Bantry. 103 euro is yours. Congratulations. Lovely, thank you so much. Okay, Alison. Bye bye, bye bye. Alison Glavin in Balancholic becoming our latest winner. And we have, as I say, we have thousands upon thousands of euro to give away. You have another chance to play Ken's Pure Cork Quiz this afternoon with Nick and then another opportunity to play with Martina and then Ken will do it all over again tomorrow morning and because it is Ken's Pure Cork Quiz he gets a double go at it so you have two opportunities in the morning with Ken at 20 past 7 and 20 past 8 but congratulations Alison Glavin Balancholic becoming our latest winner of 103 euro you can listen on your phone your smartphone and on the radio to win on C103 103. keep the questions coming in please for uh, Annalise Trussell our nutrition therapist because she's going to be joining us in a couple of minutes and she'll be answering all of your questions we have a lot of questions in so we'll do our best to get through them all some of your calls still coming in to the programme Brian in uh, Mallow said interesting to hear you say was this day last year we were heading to the opinion poll not to the opinion poll to the, to the polling centre this was election day uh, last year and I kind of God I just can't believe that it's so just can't believe that it's only a year ago and other times it seems it seems like a million years ago that we were uh, going to elect a new government this time last year. Brian is listening with interest. I'm assuming this is an ad that's running, isn't it, for the Irish Examiner because they've done a spread actually in the paper today about the election at this time last year. Anyway, he says, listening to the radio uh, this morning, Little did we think this time last year when we went out to cast our vote that a year later we would be hearing from the papers this morning how Fianna Fáil may be willing to go into power next time around with Sinn Féin also hearing that Sinn Féin would be doubling the amount of people they'll run for the next election. Interesting times ahead. Plus, he says, a reality check for many that when they do go into power they may realise the books still need to be uh, balanced. Uh, Bernadette in Ballydehob says this is on posting. I have a daughter living in Paris and I sent parcels over Christmas and they all arrived within 10 days. I posted them from Ballydehob and they all arrived uh, safely. You see, I think, thank you for that. I think it also depended. I think a lot of the delays, well, except obviously that there was delays in uh, in Ireland and there continues to be delays in Ireland because of the amount of parcels and letters that are coming in and the amount of work that the postmen and women have to do I I accept that they're working flat out I don't think our postal service has ever been busier but I also think that it's the same in every other country and I think when the item might might clear and get out of this country very quickly but when it gets to the other countries I know particularly I know in, uh, in Australia they have huge amount of items coming in the post and the delay is actually in their warehouses over in Australia trying to sort everything and get and they, it's a vast country then as well to get everything ar- ar- around so when people are are giving out and saying oh it's awful parcel hasn't arrived or whatever it isn't necessarily on post's fault it is the postal service all over the world is having the very same difficulty that we are having here Uh, somebody says I posted a parcel to my brother in Brisbane on the 1st of December and it arrived today yippee at least he's after getting it nearly two months and a week later and I'm sure there was just 
great excitement when it arrived uh, today. And that's one of the things, there's something coming late in the post. There's a level of excitement and Christmas is all, all behind him and they're still getting to open a parcel. But listen, I'm glad. Thank you for sending that on to us because that will give a little bit of hope to others because we're hearing from a couple of people, particularly about Australia. There seems to be a huge backlog in Australia, but there's somebody 1st of December and it arrived today on the 8th of February. 1850 We're going to take a break and we are back having your nutritional questions answered with our nutrition therapist, Annalise Dressel. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. And we are going to the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic, where I'm joined by Annalise Dressel. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And can I just say to people, uh, you can stop calling or texting with questions for Annalise because I can tell by the volume of of texts and calls that have If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Come in. We have the hope of getting through them uh, today. And I don't, and I know how disappointing it is for people when they take time uh, to send us in a text. But a little bit of uh, good news for you. Your, your store has gone up online. Yes, so today is the first day that we'll be selling our products online, Patricia. So the new website is healthhub, H-E-A-L-T-H, and then hubstore.com, healthhubstore.com. And actually, we'll have a section on the the homepage 
um, if you scroll down to the bottom, and it'll be mentioned on the radio, it's called. Okay. So people can click on that page, and if they give me a couple of hours every Monday to update it after the show, I'll put the products up that we've talked about during the show so that people don't have to go looking for them. They'll be right there in that section. Well, that would be of great relief to John Paul, who <laughs> spends most of Monday afternoon and a lot of Tuesday fielding calls from people. What did Annalise mention? What did Annalise mention? Would you believe I get stopped? I've been not so much now with the pandemic. People don't seem to be stopping and having conversations. But I've been stopped by more people over the years going, um, Annalise mentioned something and I just go blank. I go absolutely yes. blank. Well, it's, we have a lot of calls on a Monday always as well. So it's great to know. It's great to know that um, I'm, you know, that I'm filling a, filling a need for people. Absolutely. And, and absolutely. And I think people like the idea of something natural and going down the natural route. Let's get straight in with questions. Somebody says, could Annalise, what would you recommend to, something to take naturally for headaches? Okay, so headaches are an interesting one, Patricia, because everybody is very diff- different with headaches. And generally, the idea would be to try and stop um, headaches before they occur. And that is by identifying your triggers. So very common triggers would be things like, um, actually, the weather is a very common trigger. So when it gets kind of thundry and heavy, stress and sitting a lot at your desk can trigger because you hold tension in the neck and that creates headaches. Some people find that chocolate or caffeine act as triggers. Um, so if you can figure out your triggers, that's a great way to prevent them. Other way to prevent them is to take a very high dose of vitamin B2. So you need to take about 400 milligrams a day. And this is better now for more migraines than it is for headaches. And what you do is you take it preventatively. So I know that Viridian do a high B2 complex where you get 200 milligrams in each capsule. So um, that's a great way to prevent. And then if you do get a headache, the natural remedies tend to be very gentle. So you've got something called feverfew, which a lot of people have growing in their gardens. It looks like a kind of a small, tiny little daisy, but it's very, very bitter to taste. Um, You could make a tea with that if you have it growing in your garden. And the other thing is white willow bark. So white willow bark actually has got salicyclic acid in there, aspirin. And that's how one of the first medicines that was ever discovered from the bark of the willow tree was salicyclic acid. So if you're allergic to aspirin, that one is not suitable for you. Okay, a number of people are kind of asking the same uh, question. Um, What would you suggest for insomnia? And I'm wondering, has that got a lot to do with what's going on at the moment? Absolutely, Patricia. I've never, in all the years I've been open here in seven years, I've never sold so much for um, sleeplessness and stress and anxiety. Um, And particularly the healthcare workers as well are having a very hard time of it at the moment. So they're finding it hard to wind down and then hard to go back into work. So for sleep, there's generally a couple of things that I recommend. And sleep remedies, natural sleep remedies, they don't knock you out. So you shouldn't be feeling groggy the following day. But what they do is they work on the fight, flight, side of the nervous system so they basically quiet a busy body and a busy brain one of the most popular ones is valerian it's a a herb that again just helps you feel very calm and very relaxed so you can have a natural sleep now this doesn't agree with everybody some people do get a little bit of a headache from this and if that's the case it's not suitable for you but you normally take it just before you go to sleep and health shops will have a few different brands the other one that i'm finding great at the moment is the cannabis oil Uh, One of my customers calls it her magic bottle. So it is, again, working on the 
um, the brain on the receptors in the brain to promote a very good sensation and feeling of calm and relaxation. So it puts you into a great um, remedy for sleep. The other thing as well a lot of people take is the magnesium. And there is an, an actually an amazing array of magnesium on the shelves at the moment. It's very confusing for people. So I think for sleep, the best one is magnesium biglycinate because the glycinate, the glycine in that, is an important precursor for one of our sleep hormones. So take magnesium biglycinate. Okay, good. Let me see where I'm going next. There's just so many different questions in, sorry. Um, what would uh, what would Annalise recommend for... Um, oh no, sorry, that's not right. I'm sorry, sorry, second. They're all getting mixed up here in front um, here in front of me. Chin blends. I suffer from chill blends and recently my fingers have swollen. They're stiff and they're sore. I also use a lot of hand sanitizer. Could that be anything to do with it? And what is the best hand cream to use? Is there any med- medication I can take? Okay, so chillblains generally happen in cold weather and we get this question a lot, Patricia, don't we? I see a lot of it in my shop as well with um, farmers and farmers' wives that are out milking in this weather where it's very cold. So... Um, Certainly hand sanitizer. I think most people will notice at the moment that their hands are a lot drier and flakier and possibly even a little bit of eczema from all the alcohol, which strips the natural oils from the hand. But with chillblains, it's not just really about the lack of oils in the skin. It's more about circulation. So the way to support chillblains is to support your circulation. And there's a couple of ones that are very good for that. So um, hawthorn and garlic is a lovely one. That's great as well for the immune system because both of those are very, very good natural antivirals and bacterial. So they do two jobs. Um, Hawthorne is another wonderful one for circulation as well. And one that works very well for skin and circulation is one called Viola Tricolor. Um, the Vogel, A Vogel is a brand. It comes in a kind of a tincture. And um, it's from the little viola, the small little pansies that we see with the tiny faces. So that can work very well. And then the last thing that I'd recommend is the Dr. Delish Claire healing cream, or she also does an anti-itch cream, and that's brilliant just to rub on for soothing. And the last question then was a good hand cream. I'm a very big fan of the Trilogy Rose hand cream because it just smells heavenly. Um, but any good hand cream that just doesn't feel sticky but kind of sinks into your skin will do. You'll get a cheap one in the supermarket. Question for Annalise. I'm a dairy farmer and this is the busy time of the year with many nights with little or no sleep. I'm wondering what could you recommend any supplements or diet to help a man keep going? It's going to be for the next six weeks busiest time of uh, the year. Dermot who will be 60 uh, next birthday and actually somebody else is another dairy farmer who's saying could you recommend what would you put into a smoothie smoothie just to keep people going in what is a busy time for farmers at the moment? Okay, so um, there's, two, there's two main herbs really that are used to give to force your body into a bit of energy um, and that is ginseng and guarana. So they can be taken on a short-term basis. Ginseng is probably a little bit healthier in the long term because it does support the whole stress axis and that's what it is when you're up a lot and when you're busy and you're getting up at all sorts of the night. Your body is almost in a complete heightened state of stress. So ginseng is a nice non-jittery way of giving yourself an energy boost. And then guarana is very good to give you an energy boost, but you may feel a little bit jittery from it. So I'd suggest that you don't take the guarana if you're getting up in the night, but you could take it in the daytime if you felt you were flagging. And I would take ginseng every day as a support. Um, and then in terms of putting it into a smoothie... 
Um, possibly maybe something like maca. That's very good for just overall kind of strength and helps you power through. And you can get that in powder form. Could you ask Annalise, is it okay to take Source of Life Gold if you're on medication for blood pressure? It should be. Now, there is some ginseng in it, Patricia. It's not a huge amount, though it shouldn't interfere with your blood pressure. But if you did notice yourself getting headachey, maybe you're very sensitive and it's not suitable for you. And always with these things, Patricia, you know, they are okay for short-term use. But if, if you're on something for long-term, it's always good to stop it every now and then and review it, just in case it might be doing more harm than good. Hi, could you ask Annalise, please? I seem to have to constantly clear phlegm from my throat. Now, I did go off dairy for two weeks to see if that has something to do with it, but no change, really. It's annoying and embarrassing. I don't have a cold or a cough. It's just phlegm in my throat. Could you? What would you recommend? Yeah, there could be a few different things that's causing that, Patricia. Sometimes phlegm in the throat is actually coming up from the stomach and, and, and you know, or coming up from could be coming up from the lungs or it could be coming down from the sinuses. So there's three areas the mucus could be coming from and it could be as a result of um, a hangover from a kind of an infection, you know, a sinus infection or it might be an allergy. So the body will produce mucus in um, response to an allergen like mold particularly this time of the year if it's worse than the summer it's to pollen but also people are you know allergic to lots of different things so the first thing i'd suggest the person would try maybe would be something like ivy thyme ivy thyme is very good for drying up mucus if it's coming from kind of chest or sinus so that will help with the symptoms but it's not going to fix the problem and then if you do feel it's allergic something like stinging, stinging nettle as a tincture you can buy it in drops is very good to kind of dampen down the allergic reaction the other thing that's a very good natural antihistamine and anti-inflammatory is quercetin. I talk about that when I tell people save their onion skins and put it in with the stock because apples and onions are very high in quercetin. And there's some interesting research about how we can use quercetin um, to you know, strengthen our bodies against getting COVID. Um, it's getting a lot of attention for that. So a mix of those. But ideally, what you're really looking to do is try and identify if it's an allergen. And if it is, take the stinging nettle. And if it's not, try the IV time. Hi, good just Annalise. Angelica root extract, can that be taken if you're on a blood pressure tablet and an aspirin tablet? Yes, it should be fine. So Angelica root extract is normally taken for, um, it's a new supplement that's out. And the clinical studies show that after about eight weeks, it can help reduce um, the amount of times that you need to go to the loo. So it's very good for an oversensitive bladder for kind of regulating the signals that go to an oversensitive bladder. It's not something really that you need to be on long term. My customers would take it for a couple of months until they feel good. Then they take a break for a couple of months until they feel that they need it again. So it should be fine with medication. But again, if it's very long term, just make sure you're keeping an eye on your blood pressure, get it checked regularly. Could you suggest an alternative to the GP vitamin B12 injections? Says a listener. Yeah, I'm a big fan of taking vitamin B12 every day, Patricia, because it's a water-soluble one. So when you get the injection, you will get a boost, but the body's not very good at storing it, so it's better to put it in every day. I sell a lot of the Solgar one because it's a little subliminal tablet, very easy to take, and you get great absorption in the mouth. So if you're low in B12 and you eat a lot of meat, the most likely problem is that you're not absorbing. So that bypasses that. And there's also a spray that you can get by a company called Better You that you just spray onto the inside of your cheek. And the two of those will bring up your vitamin B levels nicely. And you can take them every day. And I say to people, then take a break at weekends. Could you explain, please, as a listener, what I think it's Moringia tea is for, i.e. weight loss? So Moringa is actually Moringa. very popular in Africa and they use it for everything. It comes from a tree, a beautiful tree, 
and um, they, they make a tea and a powder from the, the leaves. And it's very health-giving, so it would be used for lots of things in, in Africa. They would use it for um, for healing after having, you know, having babies. They use it for general tonics and energies. So in terms of weight loss, it possibly could have a small effect. I'm not sure, but most people take it as a kind of a general health tonic. And you can buy it as a tea or you can buy it as a powder and add it into smoothies. Which is the best ginseng to get? Is there a difference? There's lots of different ones, yeah. There's a kind of a Chinese ginseng and the Siberian ginseng. Um, you know, some people, strangely, will react to one and not the other. Um, I love the Terra Nova. They do a ginseng, and I have, I've had no, nobody come back with kind of jittery effects from that. Um, the Emperor ginseng is maybe a little bit better for women and if women are stressed, but the Siberian ginseng is a good one for energy for all. Burr in Cork City. Is there a supplement to take with Calcutu? Also, is it okay for people over the age of 50 to take magnesium and zinc? Okay, so I don't know. The Calcitu is a bone supplement that's generally got in the pharmacy and it has calcium and vitamin D in there. So I'm not sure what other supplement the lady would like to take with it. Um, I, most other supplements would be safe. They would not interfere with that because they are literally just vitamins. Um, so every other supplement will be safe. And then is it okay to take magnesium and zinc after the age of 60? Look, I'm not a fan of taking high doses of anything long-term, Patricia, um, unless there's a very specific need for it. I think that by taking something in a high dose, you might be maybe undoing something else. So if you do need to take it long-term, I would say take a break periodically. It should be safe with the calcium, no problem. But if you don't, if you don't notice that it's really benefiting your health, stop taking it. Okay, Mary says, could you? What would you recommend for somebody with uh, polymyalgia? I'm on steroids. My doctor with a year and a half nonstop. I still have pains. I still have aches, and I'm very tired all of the time. Plus, because of the steroids, I put on loads of weight. Is there something natural I could take in order to give up the steroids? Okay, so polymyalgia, Patricia, is very complex because actually it's very much an individual thing. But what it is is that it is upregulated inflammation that particularly affects this sort of the muscle and the soft tissue and polymyalgia all it means is multiple pain it doesn't actually it's not anything else and it's not very well understood even by the medical community as to why some people do develop it so it's the natural anti-inflammatory approach is the the way to go with it so one that i do find works well for people is um there's a, a supplement called um by a company called nature's plus and it's the first day inflammation response which is a big um mouthful of a word but it's got it's a very very high natural anti-inflammatory um reading of it so um you'll buy get that in probably most health shops and i'd suggest taking that for a couple of months but my own general experience patricia is that there's gut issues most people with polymyalgia usually have some form of ibs and you need to tackle that as well but that's certainly a good start is that nature's plus first day inflammatory response supplement. Okay, a listener has for the last three weeks muscle and joint pain in both of my legs but not in the calves. What would be causing that? So muscle pain but not in the calves. Not sure, Patricia. Um, There's lots of things that could cause those kind of pain. I'm not sure if this person has taken on extra exercise recently or, you know, with joints it tends to be more wear and tear whereas muscles, it can be Pulled muscle or maybe magnesium is always a great one for muscles, especially if you've been doing a lot of exercise. So um, it's it's not straightforward. I suppose as a natural anti-inflammatory, turmeric is always lovely and it works on both muscles and joints as well. So you could try a turmeric supplement. But there is a lovely um, 
rub that I use and it's called Pernaton, P-E-R-N-A-T-O-N Forte is the one that you want and we use it a lot in our house. It doesn't really fix any problem but it gives fantastic relief. It heats up so you get that deep feeling oh, going into the yeah. muscle and joint. Yeah, and that really helps. And then John is suffering from dry eyes. The whites of his eyes get red and what he describes as annoying when he wakes in the morning. Okay, so dry eye, Patricia, is very common, especially as we get older, and actually very common amongst young people now that are spending a huge amount of time in front of screens. So one of the things I think works very well is um, actually two essential oils that we can't really get from our diet that you need to get in a supplement. So one is sea buckthorn. It's actually omega-7. So that comes from the sea buckthorn plant, which some people might be familiar around coastal areas. It's a beautiful orange berry. And then the other one that I sell a lot of here, and it works very well, is Optase Omega Vision. So it's a blend of omega-3 fats specifically designed for the eyes. And they work at a very organic level to kind of put the fats back into the tissues to make them less dry. And then you can use an eye spray. Um, Again, Optase do a variety of eye sprays, but the Vogel do a lovely dry eye spray that you can use. And it's just hyaluronic acid and no other nasties in there. Okay, and it's the health hubstore.com people are asking for us to repeat it but your shop remains open this is just We're for, open all the time this is just online okay yeah. healthhubstore.com uh, and you're in Times Square in Balancolic have a lovely week and we'll chat great. again next Thanks Monday take care uh, she is just a mine of information she's fantastic that's our own Annalise Dressel okay and just to finish up with a couple of uh, texts in a listener says hi posted a parcel to my son in Sydney I posted it on the 1st of December it arrived today. Actually, we've had a few now from Australia of people saying parcels arriving today. So maybe they're getting through a backlog that they received during the month of December. So take hope, people who are waiting on parcels to arrive. Anthony wants to know, why are our TDs having to meet in the expensive conference centre in Dublin when the amount that turn up every day is so small? Why can't they do that in the Dáil? Westminster is on the TV every single day. And somebody's asking about the vaccination hub for Mallow. It was confirmed today that it is going to be in the GAA Centre, Carragoon, the GAA Centre in uh, Carragoon. And when we get more details of when those vaccination centres are open, we will bring it to you. But you wait, your doctor will contact you when it is uh, your turn, particularly for those over 70. OK, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to uh, John Paul McNamara for the busy day today. Nick is with you for the afternoon. We're back with you tomorrow at 10. Until then, Patricia Messenger, good afternoon. Stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group from Motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.